2: Good morning Rutherford County It is absolutely gorgeous outside If you're not on the road And uh, you know Greg Tucker I, was, uh, I went and worked out this morning early And, and it, everything was clear I uh, got back uh, and uh, got my shower And headed back to Sylvan Park And that by the time I got there The snow was coming down And it was coming down heavy And by the time that I left there and went back home for a few minutes, it was just a white blanket. It was everywhere. I haven't seen a snow like this in a pretty good while.
3: Well, out in the hills, Dolls Chapel, it was pretty. And uh, when I drove out of the hills, I was the only car on the road, and the uh, snow was... Usually they come out uh, in advance with a good forecast, I guess, mm-hmm. and spray the road. Yeah. And so the road rarely uh, this kind of snow would. But uh, apparently, uh, several of us got caught off guard this time, <laughs> and I enjoyed the very very pretty. And it was it was snowing pretty dense as I yeah. came out of the hills.
2: The birds love the snow, evidently. Because they were out everywhere this morning. And and you can see them a lot easier because that white background, I guess. I think
3: that's part of it. When there's snow on the ground, it's yeah. easy to see the movement and the yeah. colors.
2: You know, it made me think of my... You, you and I were started talking about it. It made me think of my little screech owl that I had as a pet.
3: That's a good story. And it's here. Yeah,
2: because he, he, he was about as big as my hand, maybe a little bit larger. And... Uh, He was just about frozen, just about dead. And uh, I saw him outside my window, and I said, I've got to do something. So I went outside, of course, with a glove on, and I picked him up. And he was so weak that he didn't even want to fight. So I, I, I went and bought him a great big cage, put him in it, fed him all winter long, and even developed a relationship with him. He would get I would lift him, he'd get on my shoulder. but at night, I mean, you you can't take away those normal uh, reactions that they would have for certain things at night, he would get ready to go. I mean, he became rambunctious at night, and
3: well, he's a nocturnal creature. yeah,
2: yeah. but but you know, I fed him all the meats that he would normally uh, be able to eat, uh, even the the mice and stuff like that. But it, the the funny thing about it is we became so close that when spring came, and I, I put him out on a limb of a tree, and he just looked at me and looked, and he wouldn't fly anywhere. And a couple of days later, I was sitting out there watching him, and he took off flying He's, he he went real low, and then he went back up. But for three or four weeks, I would hear him outside. Uh, my window at night.
3: Uh, That's fine. Yeah. Uh, My owl story is uh, years ago when the kids were quite small, I was working on the farm out near one of the buildings and I look up on a low limb near the building and there was one of these little owls Mm -hmm. with his back to me and it was middle of the day so I guess he was doing his his sleep thing. (laughs) And again, I had on work gloves Mm -hmm. and I walked over And just reached up and grabbed him, took him off the limb. And, of course, that woke him up, but by the time he woke up, I had his wings pinned down and Mm -hmm. holding him. And so I went to the house, showed him to my wife, showed him to the kids, and we studied him a little bit. And uh, then I went back out, put him back on the same limb, let go, and he sat there. Uh, And, uh, well, there is one other My wife and kids were raising ducks and had a, what do you call them, a flock of little ducks that hatched out. And uh, I guess six or eight, next morning seven, The next morning six, Mm -mm. next morning finally we (laughs) figured out that uh, the owl was picking a duck. Uh, Apparently a large barn owl was picking up a duck each night. So she put them up for the next evening and uh, changed that. But I didn't blame the owl. I mean, it was a uh, fair game. Yeah.
2: She, she, she's she got a soft heart for things, hasn't she? Little well, really? animals. Oh, oh yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. What are we talking about today besides just <laughs> goofing off? I don't feel like doing anything. I think I... I feel like just sitting here, I wish we had a little fireplace where we could sit and watch it
3: and just yeah, kind of let the day a, go we by. we need a window. People should understand we no longer have the windows we used to enjoy at the other location. Uh, it's a nice, nice room, nice setting, nice people. Mm-hmm. But uh, the doors are closed and it's just you and me in a big empty.
2: Well, I think Wednesday, uh, they're, all this is going to be utilized because they're getting the shots on Wednesday.
3: Oh, we're going to uh, use this space. See? Yeah,
2: so we're going to be, um, let's see, Bill Spurlock and, and, and myself, we're going to be across the hall in the library, and, oh. that, and that's where we're going to be do it. That's a nice it. Yeah.
3: And I think it's got a window, but I'm not sure.
2: I, I don't know. I haven't <clears throat> been in
3: there. Well, let's see. Doing my casual reading of old newspapers, uh, I came across a reference to Cannon County. Actually, I think out of either the Merceboro or Cannon County paper. Cannon County, uh, I'm the historian for Rutherford County, but there's an awful lot of families and people of importance in Rutherford County that have their roots in Cannon County. You Mm -hmm. know that, the Bragg family, the Adams family, just to mention a couple. Yeah. Uh, And this one caught my eye because I don't remember anything about uh, what it says, but... The story was that Cannon County has been promised and assured that they're going to open, that a company's going to open a cheese plant in Cannon County. Mm. you ever remember them making cheese in Cannon County? I sure don't. I don't either, and that could have been it happened and disappeared before we'd know it, because it was 1935, the Armor Company, one of the biggest food operations in the country, Mm -hmm. uh, still around, I think, but back then, real big outfit, came looking for an opportunity to open a cheese plant in the southeast. And uh, for some reason, well, for their reasons, after studies settled on Cannon County, and the notice I found said uh, that a group of Cannon County farmers had met uh, with uh, the company representatives and the county agent, uh, Mr. Holly. And that it had been pledged to, they needed to be pledging or promising to provide the milk that would be needed. And apparently the armor uh, representative investigator had come into the county and surveyed it and found that at least two areas of the county were the best suited to the uh, cattle and the milk production of any that he had seen in the country is what he said. Interesting that one of those areas was out around Mm Bradaville, which is, of course, just beyond Donald's Chapel, over the hill, and the other was up around Auburntown. And uh, he said something to the, let's see, that the Bradaville and Auburntown sections of Cannon County are the most ideal he has encountered for the uh, milk production that they need for their cheese plant Uh, interesting how many pounds of milk a day do you think uh, a big time cheese plant needs
2: you know I cannot follow what his particular reasons were for those two areas
3: Uh, the grass the water in fact he said specifically refers specifically to the bluegrass I didn't know we had bluegrass, but back then. He thought
2: he was in Kentucky, didn't
3: he? (laughs) He had heard about it. He says specifically the bluegrass, water, and shade to be found in those sections was ideal. You wonder, somebody doing a sales job here. But the uh, farmers were having to promise to produce at least 20,000 pounds of milk per day. That's a lot of milk. That is a lot of milk. I have no idea what the normal run would be, but that sounds like a lot of of milk.
2: He must have thought that Rutherford County and Canning County were all one county.
3: (laughs) He was going to spread out. Well, uh, The other thing that the company said would have to happen is that they would have to have a building that they could buy or lease Mm -hmm. for the operation. And interesting, the individual who stepped forward and said, "I'll do that. I'll build a building, sell it to you, or lease it to you, whichever you prefer," mm-hmm. was Dr. Adams. Ooh, it's back 1935, Dr. Dr. Carl Adams. Yeah, no, actually, uh, J. F. Adams, Dr. J. F. Adams. I'm surprised on that one. That might be Carl's father. I'm not sure. I hadn't, I hadn't checked that. But yeah. uh, the Adams and Cannon County, that was a doctor. That's got to be that family. Mm-hmm. In Bradaville. you wonder if maybe this, there's a connection is why he cited Bradaville. There's a house, if you're coming down from uh, Readable in that area on Highway 64, uh, coming into the Braidville community. On the left is a nice-looking uh, old farmhouse, white. And I remember talking to some of the older people in that area years ago, and they called the house the hospital. At the time, it was owned by someone else, but Mm -hmm. the hospital. And it turns out that's where, I guess, the original Adams doctor, maybe this JF, lived, but he used the house for his uh, practice Mm -hmm. and even had apparently one room or at least one room set up for uh, patient stay, overnight stay, and such. Mm-hmm. But the locals there in Bredeville referred to it as the hospital. Uh, perhaps clinic would be more appropriate, but the old-timers called it the hospital. So Dr. Adams certainly was, there was a Dr. Adams practicing in Cannon County, at least at this time. Uh, but I can't find any evidence that it was ever built, ever mm. opened, ever went went into service. Uh, interestingly I guess missed opportunities
2: now uh, where, where exactly was the, the, the hospital itself or, or what was called the hospital
3: uh, it was a nice looking white country home when I saw it and as you're going into Braidable it's on the left if you're coming from if you're heading south on 64 it's uh, on your left, and it's one of the first structures as you get into the little community. And you know, Bredeville had a bank and store and post mm-hmm. office and such as that back in, in the 30s and 40s. For,
2: for some reason, I'm having a hard time bringing that one into my mind, because <laughs> I've been through there a number of times.
3: Well, next time we go to uh, morning breakfast, we can loop down there and see if it's still there. Because I had not really looked for it in probably 10 or 15 years. but uh,
2: You know, I guess our breakfast will be this coming Saturday. Is hope, that
3: correct? I hope that's the case. I've not seen any signs or gotten any official word on it, but it should be if they'll have it again. Now, of course, there are reasons that they might think twice about whether to hold it, but uh, let's hope they do.
2: You know, the, the shots are, uh, quite a few people are getting the, the, the virus shots right now. And of course, then, then I don't think that it's that effective until they get the, the second shot, from what I've been told. So, but with, uh, I'm glad that they're reaching out to places where you have a, a lot of individuals living fairly close together, like here at Adams Place. And, and um, um, you know, I think overall they're doing a pretty good shot, uh, good job. Um, getting these shots out to, the, especially to the people that need them. Of course, the, the the medical people I think were some of the first group, and now the older people that uh, uh, may be the ones that were would be more than likely to to be able to have the virus.
3: Well, I believe uh, teachers mm-hmm. uh, have been treated as a priority, at least in some areas, and. Uh, you mentioned just a little bit ago that uh, here at Adams they're going to start giving the, Wednesday. Giving the vaccinations. So it's getting around. Uh, and years out, when people look back on what uh, went on during this uh, epidemic, I think they'll be amazed and impressed the speed with which vaccines became available. Yeah. You now we're we're some um, we're struggling a little right now with the distribution, but even that is unusual.
2: We've got a caller on the line. Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker.
5: Good morning. This is Deb Insul. And I am a generational Cannon Countyian, and I'd just like to verify that the Armour Creamery was alive and well in Cannon County for many years. Uh, Dr. J.F. Adams, by the way, is Dr. Carl Adams' father, and he birthed or buried most of the people in Cannon County for years as well. Um, my father drove a milk truck for the Armoury, uh, Arnold, the Creamery. Um, when he started when he was 13 years old. So it was another way that Dr. Adams brought in for people to be employees in Cannon County.
2: That is so nice of you to call, Deb. How's everything going? Deb, tell, us where, the, tell us where the plan
3: was.
5: It was located on the uh, river back behind where the Woodbury Funeral Home is now.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Back
5: in there, there's a little street where that red lot is right before you get to the funeral home from Murfreesboro.
3: Very close to the old feed mill.
5: Back in that area, and I'm telling you, it sustained Cannon County for a long time till the shirt factory came in, and that was another means of being able to employ people in an area that was mostly agriculture and impoverished at that time.
2: You know, I- Uh, A lot of people have have told me from Cannon County that you taught Rick all he knows about basketball.
5: Well, I won't take credit for that, but maybe I taught him what (laughs) he knows about people.
2: (laughs) Well, you did a good job, (laughs) hon.
5: Thank you. I love listening to your show. I try to catch it as often as possible. Thank
2: Thank you, Deb. Thank you, Deb. Okay. She's a sweet lady.
3: She really is. That's what I really appreciate about uh, the show is we can bring something up and learn more about it. Yeah. uh, When someone uh, with personal experience. I will try to see if I can run down when it closed see how long it actually lasted there.
2: Well, we should have
3: asked her why she was on, Yeah, well, she said the Shirt Factory came in Uh about the time that it was closing. I remember the Shirt Factory. Oh, yeah, most of us did. Yeah, Uh, interesting, very interesting.
2: Why don't we take a quick break? You ready?
3: Yeah, let's do that.
1: Okay, we'll be right back with you. From NHC's Adams Place,
5: This is Ron Hall. When the unexpected happens, Fair Construction can help you whether there's a vehicle in your business or your home that's
0: not supposed to be there. It's in the news, a car through the front door. We can board it up
5: where the place is secure and deal with your insurance company to get it back to its previous condition. When the unexpected happens, call Fair Construction Company. This is Ron Hall with Fair Construction. Call 615-893-6120. Adams Place is founded by Dr. Carl E. Adams, a physician and lifelong resident of Middle Tennessee. He and Jenny May had a dream of building a campus concept of life care facilities for older adults.
3: Adams Place Residential Living Director Terry Deal.
5: Discover that senior living is fun. Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard.
1: Have you been hoping to win $1,000 a day every day for the rest of your life with the added excitement of a chance to win instantly? Well, with Cash for Life with Quick Cash, today could be your lucky day. Give it a try. Simply add Quick Cash to your next Cash for Life purchase for a chance to win instantly. But wait, there's more. Then watch the nightly Cash for Life drawing to see if you win $1,000 a day or week for life. Cash for Life with Quick Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly.
5: Somewhere out there, a math teacher's school loans were forgiven, allowing her to focus on paying it forward, not back.
1: Somewhere out there, a parent is breathing easier, knowing their child's college education will cost a little less. Somewhere out there, the Hope Scholarship just helped a student open the door to a brighter future.
5: And they all have players like you to thank for the $5.5 billion raised for education, because every time someone plays the Tennessee Lottery, education wins. The Tennessee Education Lottery, game-changing, life-changing fun.
1: Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan, an unidentified man and woman accused of
0: using counterfeit money to buy items at the Hobby Lobby on Old Fort Parkway. Lieutenant Clayton Williams told News Radio WGNS there's concern that businesses aren't reporting when they receive a small number of counterfeit bills. Here's retailers to take the time to notify police. It's important for us because the more of those that we get reported, it helps us to, when we have suspects identified that may be in the vicinity that may have done the same thing at a similar store, collectively he or she may have passed a lot of money that's counterfeit to where it may be a lot bigger deal than just a $20 bill at one business. So please notify us so we can report it, so we can track down who's spreading this around, so we can bring them to justice and maybe put a stop to it. There are pictures of the suspects and who to call if you recognize them posted on our website, wgnsradio.com. A passing motorist called 911 Saturday when they saw a fire in the rear of a large warehouse that sits behind co-op. The fire could be seen from the South Church Street Bridge near the Middle Tennessee Boulevard intersection. When police and fire arrived on the scene, they found a man walking around in circles near and around the small blaze, holding a stick in his hand. It's not yet known if the man seen next to the fire started it and an arrest has not been made. However, a similar fire that was suspicious in nature took place in the same area involving the same suspect. In nearby Williamson County, health department officials are making a change with their COVID-19 vaccinations. The department is transitioning to administering vaccines using a waitlist system. More information on that and how to sign up is on our website, wgnsradio.com. I'm Ron Jordan
1: reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. If you want to get some barbecue, i tell you how to do
2: it. Head for the Slick Pig and you're into it. Just walk through the door at 1920 East Main and your nose will send a message right to your brain. Say, mmm, smells good. And barbecue... Slick pig.
3: We got ribs and beans. Got spicy wings.
1: Slick pig. A Murfreesboro tradition. 1920 East Main.
0: If only I could spend my whole paycheck on new tires, said no one ever.
3: Which is why Bud's Tire Pros makes buying Michelin tires simpler. Allison Mitchell at Bud's Tire Pros
5: can help you out. For service you can trust without the hassle, visit your local Bud's Tire Pros in town. They offer a straightforward approach to service, and they include the nationwide warranty with every purchase.
3: Stop in today to see their full lineup of Michelin tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin has a tire to fit any need. Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. To find out more, visit
1: BudstireProsTN.com.
5: Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather.
0: We'll see if you spot areas of rain and snow mixing at times here this afternoon with cloudy skies high in the upper 30s and winds out of the north of 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vuichit, ski on news radio WGNS. Currently, it's 28. Premier 6 Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes. For Premier 6 Theater, they're now open.
1: From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9 AM 1450 and streaming at WGNSRadio.com
2: And welcome back and we have another caller on the line Greg. Uh, caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker. Kuma, Bobby Parker. Hey Bobby, don't tell me you're calling to, for me to get my hair cut Wednesday.
6: Yeah, I need the money. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm hungry, and you need a haircut. Charge him a
2: premium. <laughs> Charge him a premium. Hey, 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 Bobby, I've I just thought of something. That's usually when I want to go get something to eat. Do you think we could set up kind of like a little cafe in your shop?
6: Well, yeah. the The barber board would probably uh, uh, frown on that, but you know, we could probably sneak one in there.
2: Now, uh, speaking of the barber board, uh, do you have to have a mask to come in your place? Yeah, you do. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah,
6: and it's I, hard to eat with that thing on. <laughs>
2: you you know, have to put a zipper in You be- better believe it.
3: <laughs> maybe, maybe Bobby called in to talk about something other than your haircut.
2: Yes, that's <laughs> Bobby said. is from Cannon County. Uh, that's what I heard y'all talking about, Dr. Jeff uh,
6: Adams. That was Dr. Carl's daddy. Uh, back when I was growing up up there, he was our doctor. Uh, he done a, he done several surgeries on my mom and dad, and uh, oh. so uh, uh, and you're talking about the creamery and all. There was a creamery up there called. Uh, everybody called it Woodbury Creamery, but I think it was the Armour Creamery.
3: Yeah, it would have been.
6: Yeah, and it was up there. It was up there for several years. A lot of, in fact, my wife's mother worked there for a while. <coughs> And, About
3: uh, when did it close, do you remember?
6: You know, <clears throat> I really can't remember when it was, but it was probably, I know it was there <clears throat> when I was in school up there, but I'm, I'm thinking it was probably in the 50s or maybe early 60s, somewhere in there. Yeah. But... uh <clears throat> But a, a guy by the name of Mr. Ruby O'Neill had a big. I don't remember just what his job was there, but I used to cut his son's hair for years. But uh, he was one of the bigger people in uh, in that Cranberry up there. And I remember it sitting on the kind of the north side of Woodbury there, but I can't remember just exactly where it said. I can, I can. I've got a. Vision of it, but I
2: can't remember just where it was at. You know. You but know, was, in in Cannon County, you 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 seem to have a broad perspective of almost everything that has gone on in Rutherford County. Hey, have you got your radio on there?
6: Yeah, but I'm in another room.
2: Well, something is echoing uh, uh, from your shop. I got a little bit of an echo when Deb was on a minute ago.
6: Is it is it echoing now?
2: Wait a minute. No, you did something.
6: I walked. I walked in another room. Uh,
2: yeah.
6: I, I'm at. I'm at home. I'm not working today, and uh, so uh, I just heard y'all Snow talking. Huh? Snow Listening to you, and uh, and uh, and and he was talking about. Uh, the building down at Braidville down there. Now, Dr. Fre- I mean, uh, Fre- not doctor, but Fred Adams, which was Dr. Carl's brother that farmed. And he lived in a house right in there where he was talking about the old hospital being as known as old Adams place. And the girl that I graduated with, if it's the same house, lives in that house now, Audrey Coffer Hmm. Know if that's the same house that he's talking about? Or not. I don't remember that. I remember him being in the, the old hospital building up there, and then later on he moved that, across the street there on that corner there by the old theater, and and had his clinic in there, and that's when uh, <coughs> Doctor Bryant and Doctor Myers took the hospital over, and and that was back. I think in the 50s uh, that Dr. Bryant and Dr. Mars came in there, and they they took uh, the the big hospital over, and he moved his clinic across the street there on the corner there, uh, from where the hospital, the big hospital, was at there, which the building is still there. I think the county has a lot of their offices in it now.
3: Yeah, EMS I think's in there uh is what now. He he, he said
2: w well, is what? You said EMS is in there now? Yeah, the county EMS took over
3: part of that building. Yeah. Yeah,
6: yeah, I think yeah, I think that upper part up there, uh, they they took over, but that down in the lower part down there I think they got some county offices in there. And uh but uh but anyway, Dr. Uh, J.F. Adams, he, he was the doctor up there. He owned about everything in Cannon County at that time.
3: <laughs> That's right.
6: <laughs> he, had a, he had a lot of property up there. But as far as him having uh, his office in, uh, in the house down at Braveville, I don't remember that. That was new to me. And, uh, but I do know that Fred Adams, another one of his sons, live down there but i don't know if that's the same house or not that i was talking about that uh audrey cops or audrey rogers before she married me and her graduate from high school together and uh she lives in in a big in the house that fred used to have down there you know so that may be the same house that you're talking about but i don't know exactly where it's located down there
2: and Dr. Carl Adams had a son named Fred, also, who farms in that area.
6: Yeah,
2: up near uh, Readable.
6: Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's now he's da- he's down there in Readable. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, his place is in Ridgway, and uh, so uh, so that's pretty good ways from where this is at. That, that's what we're talking about, you know.
2: You know, you talk almost as much on the radio as you do when you're cutting my air.
6: Well, if I didn't talk, you wouldn't come to see me because that's what it's all about, you know. <laughs> you know, lying about things, you know. Yeah. And you're, and, and you're good at that. You're really good at that, you know.
2: I, I, I think I think we have the best when, when it comes to uh, stretching the truth a little bit. I, I think we've got the best bunch that's ever been around. <laughs>
6: <laughs> right. Well, I'll get off of here. I just heard y'all talking about that, and uh, but uh, but old Jeff Adams, he was well known up there. He was everybody's doctor for a long time, and uh, and, and he is uh, Doctor Carl's dad. So and and then Doctor Carl was my mom and dad's doctor for a while too. So.
2: Yeah, and that, that they were great people.
6: Yeah, they were they were they were real great people, anyway, I just thought I'd call you and enlighten you a little bit on that, so
3: Thanks, I appreciate you, Bobby. that
6: and, uh, so y'all going y'all going with your with your business now, <laughs> and uh, I do wish you'd come on in tomorrow and get your hair cut though cause I need the money, so
2: tomorrow's Tuesday,
6: yeah, so well, I mean, you can come back on your regular time too, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank you uh, Bobby
6: you fellas have a good day here
2: you too you know it's amazing that, that the physician, the good doctors on that side of, of our county and on into Cannon County of course uh, um, Miss Mary Hall's dad out there uh, on, uh, well, you a, heard, on John Bragg Highway quite a yeah, ways out.
3: but you heard him say, and it's very true back then, that was a long way between Readable and Braidable. Yeah. You know, and uh, particularly if you had to hitch up the wagon and, and hit over that way. Uh, so you had uh, Adams practicing here in Braidable and uh, the other one up in Readable. Mm-hmm. But...
2: You know, uh, I, I guess you guys were you uh, where you are in, in Donald's Chapel. You, you, that's in, in that area where uh, the air is 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 harder to breathe because I notice that most of the people out that live in that area, they're they're always got their nose up trying to inhale or something. Uh, what is that? You guys are just a little bit. Uh, uh, the upper class, I, I would say.
3: we still got clean air in the southeast <laughs> corner of the county, so you enjoy it as best you can. Uh-huh. Uh When I have to drive through the northwest corner of the county, I feel sorry for those people. Too many cars, too, many, too much emission. Uh,
2: you know, what's happening today is something that I, I've had a lot of people call and say, Can we call your show? And, and a lot of times I think people think that it's just going to be you and myself and we're going to sit here and and, and talk to the people. But we also have ears on each side of our head, and we do like to listen to what other people have to say. You well, say- as long as it's in reason.
3: What was that you said?
2: I don't know what I said. <laughs> I
3: know. You get, you get a bonus every time somebody calls. Oh, you
2: we got say- another caller.
3: Hey, big
2: time. Caller, welcome aboard
4: with
3: Greg Tucker. I might have something else to talk about.
4: Yeah, the uh, cheese plant at Woodbury, Uh it was located right behind where the Woodbury Funeral Homes at now. Yeah, As a matter of fact, the funeral home owns one of the Quonset huts. They used to store the uh, cheese in, and they store caskets and stuff in it now. And it went out in the late 60s, I'm pretty sure. And Doctor Adams took Doctor Adams took my tonsils out when I was eight years old. <laughs> and uh, I just want to mention, I don't know where y'all mention not Roy Eakes, a good friend of mine, and Mr. Tucker's passed away at the end of November. Yeah, who I is I really this? miss him. So, hey, Greg wants to I'm know I'm your name. Wild man, he knows me. I'm a Wild man. Guy. That's <laughs> who Moose I thought face. it might be. Moose, <laughs> man, Moose all guy. right.
3: Wild man. <laughs>
4: Hey, I'm doing good.
3: Yeah, now you were were raised up there in Cannon County?
4: Raised in Woodbury, born right there in the hospital in 1944. And he did help bring the shirt factory in up there. He was the person behind... Doc Adams? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he put a lot of the money up for it. and, And all the legal stuff and got it in there. Which was a pretty good boon to Woodbury at the time. Oh, yeah. And they had a box factory down there, too, that was right around the corner from the uh, cheese plant that made boxes for the shirt pack. <laughs> so.
2: People only liked for something to come in that's not going to um, kind of mess with the, the history of that community. Uh, People people enjoy it the way they the way it has been, don't they? Yes,
4: yes. But I do live in Merfur now.
3: Like uh, I tell
4: people, Woodbury is a good place to be from. My God. <laughs> well you I live in Murphsburg
3: on Braidable Pike. Have any trouble yeah, getting yeah, out right this down, morning?
4: Right down below you, not right far, going into town there. Yeah. Right across from Chelsea Place. And I oh, can't you wait are for the a city show. dweller. Yeah, I can't wait for the car shows to start again next year, too. I know Greg can't either.
3: Yeah, so. we've been we've been uh, off the road for about a year now. Yeah, right.
4: All right, I'll hang up and listen. Thanks Good to, to hear from talk. you. I appreciate you yeah.
3: mentioning Roy Eakes. We talked about him yeah. a couple of weeks ago right after the funeral. Well, I
4: must have missed that, but Roy yeah. was my buddy. Yeah, He told me a lot of history of uh, Murfreesboro, and he was also a veteran like I am. And we got a lot of war stories to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. So I appreciate that. Thank you, sir.
3: All right. Truman, I was uh, serving on the Board of Equalization. And, you know, we got a little speech about uh, being careful about conflicts and such as that.
2: Mm Mm-hmm
3: and I'm sitting there with four other members, five other members of the board, and wild man comes in. (laughs) And uh, I looked up and I turned to the rest of them and I said, uh, I'm gonna recuse myself here. I know the wild man (laughs) and uh, let others decide that, but uh, I'm gonna sit in and listen because he can be entertaining.
2: Now, tell me about the board of equalization.
3: No, that's politics.
2: No, 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 no. I'm not. But you guys, a lot of people don't understand that if if it's something, you're almost like a judge sitting on the bench, and they're going to have to make a decision on something. And if you know the person that's coming before you, you, it's it's an automatic uh, uh, situation where you, you you pardon yourself.
3: People react differently. When I know the person or have a personal relationship, I don't want to vote for or against because it's, you know, I'm going to be influenced by the relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've been in situations, though, where I think the individual making the judging should have just abstained. If they couldn't recuse themselves, they should at least abstain from a vote when it's a group like that. Uh, Because it's just somebody's going to complain at some point. So. Yeah. And it's also the fair and right thing to do. You know, we were talking about the creamery, the Armour creamery, and I'm glad we've developed a little information about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I wondered how much competition they had with the Rutherford co-op creamery, which back in the same time period was the second largest co-op in the United States, co-op creamery in the United States. That's amazing. Uh, Apparently, Armour, from what we've learned, specialized in cheese because the creamery down here, I think it's still made cheese, but their lead product was butter. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was uh, Magnolia Butter was their name. And the Magnolia Butter, back in those days, they had competitions all over the country. And the Magnolia Butter won nationally nationally and regionally, all the competitions back in that period. And they attributed it to the Jersey cows that were, that were...
2: Best uh, milk cows ever.
3: Yeah, Jersey cow because it has such a high fat content, which people don't look for now, mm-hmm. but back then, and it was that high fat content that made the magnolia butter exceptional. And magnolia had some competition. At one time there was a second butter creamery in the area, but uh, you wonder why, you know, why did that disappear, and I think it was the changing taste, and you know, margarine came along about that time. And Which uh, is the worst thing that you can eat. <laughs> <laughs> and they used, you know, margarine, uh, when it's made, it's white, and they put the color in it, so it mm-hmm. looks like butter. Well, initially, that was illegal. The farmers got... Uh, some legislation such that uh, you couldn't color the butter before you, the margarine, before you sold it. Mm -hmm. So you might remember, if you go back quite far enough, you'd buy your margarine and with it would be a pack of yellow food coloring, Mm. so you could color your own margarine make it look like butter. You
2: remember the the county fair. everybody had a certain way of dealing with their products on their own farm the private farm and my mother she would always be the one that would uh, make the butter and 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 then they would have uh, uh, either cornbread or something else that you could put it on and uh, they would have people just lined up that wanted to be able to taste that butter on bread or something like that. And we, we people have been scared stiff by all these companies like margarine and things like that. And people, they long for the taste of, of the old uh, foods that we had on the farms back then. I can remember my grandmother making butter, and the yeah. taste of it was just unbelievable.
3: Well, my last experience with butter making, uh, when we moved back in 88, 89, the farm across from us on Bradable Pike uh, was a small milk operation, a small dairy operation, S.P. Arnold. And uh, Ms. Arnold would churn milk to make butter in her lap. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm getting this secondhand. My wife visited it. She would sit there with a what looks like a big jar with the milk in it, and whatever else she's talking to somebody or doing something, she's mm-hmm. rolling that in her lap. And uh, I guess eventually she got the butter to come up, to come up, and uh, it was obviously raw milk that she was taking off the the cows they had there. Yeah. Uh, interesting too. The cows. By the time I got to looking at the cows. <laughs> Uh, The milk cows across the way were all Holstein, the black and white cow. The Jersey cows had disappeared. And again, I think that was changing tastes as people quit looking for real butter and uh, began looking for the low-fat type milk. Uh, But on the other hand, I know an individual who was brokering Holstein calves uh, in Rutherford County And he probably influenced, and also Carnation, which is another real good story how Carnation came in. Carnation preferred the Holstein for their condensed milk. Hmm. Uh, But Myers Parsons in the 1950s started brokering the Holstein and helped change the herds. So now you don't find Jersey cows. Of course, you don't find any milk operations hardly anywhere in this part of the state anymore. Uh, But if you do, I know down in uh, Bedford County, there's a big one there just before you get to Lynchburg, uh, all Holstein. Mm -hmm. uh, That Jersey cow was too good, I guess you could say.
2: I tell you what, I miss them. And and the taste from a Jersey um, would top anything
3: that, that, that I can remember. It's the fat content that makes the taste. Yeah. That makes a big difference. interesting, the co-op creamery, which was in existence early in the 20th century, uh, was a private effort to uh, develop the creamery as a co-op. I'm looking at some of the names of the people involved, you know, the Jordans, the Haynes. One in particular strikes me, though. Al D. McKnight, at the time in the 1920s, mayor of Murfreesboro, owner of River Oak Dairy Farm, which was just about a mile off the public square. He's one of the leading uh, individuals setting up this co-op. Uh, which was wait a
2: minute, that's a new one on me.
3: Al D. McKnight. Mayor. No, I'm
2: talking about the... Uh, you caught, said, it, said River Oak?
3: River Oak Farms. Farms. Yeah. We'll do a little research and I'll tell you exactly where that was. But it was real close in. And Al McKnight also... In the 1920s, was one of the principals that organized what became the, what's it called, the uh, ice cream plant? Consumer mm-hmm. uh, ice cream plant, was right there across the railroad tracks, diagonally from the old uh, railroad station. Yeah, it uh, was the ice cream plant. Al D. McKnight, with his River Oak and Dairy, also was one of the principals there.
2: They, they, it, didn't they have cheese? Well, then the, in that, the creamery, the creamery uh,
3: which was back-to-back with the uh, consumer's ice cream plant, mm-hmm. uh, right in that spot, the creamery was making the butter, the magnolia butter. They also made cheese. In fact, when we came back in the late 80s, uh, I went there and we bought cheese, but the, I found out that it was outcuts from another plant, I believe in Bedford County,
5: mm. that
3: they weren't making the cheese, but they were just retailing it. Out of that location and soon thereafter it shut down and has been a number of things since then.
2: The sad thing is to watch those places just die away.
3: Well the, the co-op creamery again second largest in the United States. Uh, the, most of the building is still there and uh, in fact there's a, there used to be a little green dragon pub in the bottom corner there. I think it's changed mm-hmm. uh, now, too. Uh, but, yeah, that's one of the older industrial buildings still in the area. The one that I'm delighted, there's still some evidence there, is, of course, the carnation condensory, carnation milk plant. Mm-hmm. And uh, people, everyone smile. I hear someone say, well, yeah, they tore that down, yada-da. No, it's all, just about all of it's still there. The most evident thing, though, is the tall smokestack. Yeah, you see as you're going over old Fort. That'll park. probably stay there forever. I hope so, and I really compliment the uh, Haynes Lumber Company owners yeah. because they've worked key Now they, they use I think the most of the other building, the rest of the building for uh, storage or some of their business, uh, but the stack, of course, is there idle. And not too long ago, it started. Dropping a few bricks off the top, and I think they did some repairs, so it's still there as a landmark. It's a landmark of several things. the The carnation plant really changed the employment base, and encouraged mm-hmm. the dairy farming and such, and saved most of the uh, income of people during the depression because it opened in the late twenties and uh, was going full steam through the thirties. But also, that smokestack marks the corner of the Lytle Plantation. In fact, the condensory was built just behind the uh, Lytle Mansion, which was still there. And again, I've heard people say, well, yeah, they tore down the mansion to build the plant. No, I've got a picture of the mansion, and it's got the plant in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, the condensery did take ownership Back at the time, in the 1920s, people were so excited about having the the new industry and the new employment base. Nobody complained about trying to preserve the old Lytle Mansion. And it did disappear all except for one outbuilding. Mm. And uh, the outbuilding may have been uh, where they did the business of the plantation. We're not sure about that. But it was saved and moved by uh, Dr. Talbert and several others of prominence in the community uh, in order to not be torn down. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, rebuilt on the Oaklands property now. So if you go into the Oaklands to the right, you'll see a small building. That's what's left of the Lytle uh, structures, which is salvaged. Uh, but the uh, smokestack marks the 40 acres that Carnation purchased from the heirs mm-hmm. of the Lytle property. And Lytle property, of course, was 7,200 acres extending down west.
2: I believe we've got another caller on the line. You've you got everybody's mind uh, really operational this morning. Caller, okay. welcome aboard with Greg Tucker. Makes
3: it a lot easier.
4: Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about the cr- uh, co-op creamery. Go ahead. Uh, I work. I, I worked down there uh, when Paul Dodd was there, and uh, then Bill Jones took it over from Woodbury. You remember that?
3: Bill Jones, the uh, ran the bank up
4: there. Y- y'all was talking about the Co-op Creamery,
2: um, right? Now, now you were saying Bill Jones. Which yeah. Bill Jones we talk about?
4: Bill no, Jones used to be the one that uh, took, over, uh, he, uh, he took over when he he took over with Paul Dodd, You know, yeah. uh, he he was he was in Woodbury into Creamy. Okay. You remember Wilson Creamy down there by the old jail?
2: Oh, I, I barely yes.
4: This is many moons ago for the old yeah. jail. Yeah. Yeah, my dad worked there and made cheese. I made the hook cheese up there at the co-op creamery.
2: Ah, so you were in the business.
4: Yes, sir. I, they had be, They had five big vats that we brought milk in, and uh, we. Uh, and Junior Douglas was uh, the plant manager over there, and uh, we, we brought a bunch of cheese out there repair green oh, well. cheese at at in the bo- at, at uh, down in the bottom of there now did you get to take a lot of cheese home well some well they give me a little bit something <laughs> yeah.
2: tell, tell tell me how it, it tasted compared to what you get in the stores now
4: well let me tell you something you, you get the sharp get the sharp cheese get the sharp cheese at uh, in the stores that's pretty good but yeah you can let it age you know you uh, they put it in the freezer and let that cheese age and it was he re- was better than just like the old baloney you know it come in the sack i remember the old baloney uh used to come in that white sack it was good you know you're then,
2: you're making me hungry and it's just 10 o'clock
4: <laughs> well I'm, I'm gonna tell you Oh, uh, you remember the old Rose uh, ice yes. cream place over on, I think it was on College Street. Yeah, See, it disappeared
3: on, just recently.
4: I was born on Flat Rock Road in Halls Hill Pike. I, uh, I was born in that house. It was shallow, they called it.
2: Yeah, I remember all that.
4: I tell you what, Murfreesboro's really gross, but Murfreesboro's crooked, too. <laughs> It's crooked as a barrel of snakes. <laughs> hey, I know more about Murfreesboro. Bart, the man, he was a lawyer here a long time ago. and I know about Murfreesboro than anybody knows.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, st- I, I get little texts every once in a while from Andy. I, I enjoy all that history.
4: And Murfreesboro has been crooked all its life. But they gonna pay one these days because I'm gonna tell you, they wouldn't let the black people go on the square. they stayed down there on Vine Street and that was wrong because the black people there, hey, God loves them just like everybody else, you know yeah and pay these after
3: well, that, that black business district down on Vine Street in that area. Uh, provided income for an awful lot of black families. That was an important business area in the
4: community. After these people up in my office. They may not thank you, but they better look again. Cause I'm gonna tell you, God's coming back. And if they ain't got all that, and if they don't treat the black people right, hey, God's coming back. You better believe it. Thank you great education <laughs> you know but well, anyway not. that, that co-op that co- creamery I made a lot of cheese there and then uh, my dad worked at the Wilson creamery
3: that was the competition the Wilson creamery made another butter I forget what their brand name was but they were trying to compete with the magnolia butter
4: Man, that was a good old day
2: yep it was
3: Well thank you for
2: calling
4: Well God bless y'all
2: You too
3: A couple of things I remember about uh, When I was talking to the people that worked at the carnation plant The uh, smokestack is on a great big concrete Vat I guess you'd call it uh, It was built by a fellow who had never made anything for a creamery or a condensery Uh, but he had built many concrete silos Hmm. around the county. And uh, I'm told if you go in and look at that base of that big uh, vessel that they heated the milk in, Mm -hmm. uh, it looks an awful lot like a silo uh, because it was built by a silo contractor.
2: Now, you have a silo on your property, right?
3: Yeah, but I don't get in there and make milk or (laughs) cook milk.
2: Well, the silos are... are You have to be careful with them because there have been a lot of people that have...
3: Well, the methane gas, uh, a lot of people don't understand. They get in, you know, they crawl in to look around Mm -hmm. and there's no oxygen because the rotting material in there produces that methane gas. Uh, My son climbed up the side of uh, our silo one time in his teen years. Of course, he didn't, didn't tell me about it until years later. Uh, but I suspect uh, they are attempting uh, a temptation to scale up the side of it and see what, what you can see from there.
2: Haven's very... Uh, he, he, he likes a, uh, a challenge, doesn't
3: he? Well, back then it was hard to keep him on the ground.
2: I, th- I think there's somebody else just like him coming up.
3: I hope so. <laughs> I also remember talking with Fred Williams, who... Uh, trying to get, he said he wanted to get off the farm, so he took a job at the creamery. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you remember, if you've looked at one of the old carnation cans, you can't help but wonder how in the world did they get the milk in there, because it's one piece. Mm -hmm. And uh, Fred's job was to seal a little bitty hole in the middle of the top, because they injected into the cans like a getting a shot of penicillin. Wow. They injected the milk into the can through this very small hole. And then Fred said his job was to seal with a uh, little bit of uh, solder, mm-hmm. which probably had a little bit of lid in it, no telling, mm. uh, that little hole. And uh, that's how they got the milk into it. Uh, I remember to someone else whose job it was to recycle the milk that got contaminated again procedures change, but every once in a while they would break open a can, and the milk from one can, if it's in the case already, messes up a whole bunch of cans, and uh, they'd take it out, they'd wash all the cans that gotten stained, mm-hmm. and then the one that uh, had the leak, if there was still milk in it, they poured that back into the uh, cooker and ran it through again.
2: So they had a long assembly line there. Did. I would did. I would have loved to have seen that because I can't... I'm having a hard time remembering
3: it. Well, I also remember talking to the lady who met the farm hauler. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the farm... Well, usually the hauler also had some cows of his own. But we had a lot of haulers. In fact, they were making $10 a day to just go to the root, pick up milk cans, and bring them to the plant.
2: Yeah, I remember him doing that yeah. at my granddaddy's place.
3: Yeah, and this little lady... Uh, I think her name was Bennett at the time. Yeah, Libby Bennett. Uh, it was her job to be there and take a uh, list where the cans were coming from so they'd know who to send the checks to uh, which farm. Uh, so she was the receiving clerk for the milk cans coming in at the loading dock. They were almost
2: like mailmen of today. They, I could, I could still see the trucks pulling around and getting uh, Papa's uh, uh, big milk can, putting it in, and
3: he was gone. Uh, You had uh, that big uh, McNabb boy on. uh, Steve? Not too long ago. And Steve, of course, grew up on my farm. It was a McNabb farm. Mm -hmm. And he and I were talking, and one of the first things he asked me was, is that old milk box, milk truck box still out there on the farm? I said, yeah, it is. I store lumber in there. But uh, the big square box, probably uh, one of thousands that were in use, hundreds anyway, uh, in the county. And you can tell if you walk around; it had certain little doors where you could slide in a milk can without opening the whole thing. And uh, it, uh, in fact, there's at least two still sitting around out there in Donald's Chapel now.
2: You, well, your place is 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 kind of like a. A paradise. It, 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 you don't see the hard labor coming off of the brows of people and, and uh, uh, going to bed at night, all wore out and things like that. We don't. We
3: don't do any gambling out there. <laughs> There's no dice of any kind. Whether you got a pair or rolling a single dice. So we we don't do that. It, well, not anymore anyway.
2: <laughs> you know, we just got a little message. It, we're uh, almost off the air well, Having to say and wrap up the show But I thoroughly enjoyed it. Didn't you all the people calling in And, and, and sharing their thoughts That was pretty ne- neat Yeah Okay
3: see, All right. See you next week
2: Alright and we will see you in the morning And uh, uh, Dr. John Daniel Rudd will be on And uh, you guys can c- call in And tell him how to do his job
1: <laughs> We'll see you then mm-hmm.